Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also, you can read my regular agent's take column at cbssports.com on NFL contract and salary cap matters. Uh, this week, we're going to be taking a look at two things. One, uh, what's the big uh, problem with the NFL offseason voluntary workout program? And also... Uh, who are the best remaining unsigned free agents? Um, offseason workout programs slated to start on the 19th of April. The NFLPA has been calling for all of the workouts to be conducted uh, virtually like last year because of COVID-19 or pandemic concerns. But they've really wanted to have the virtual program or no offseason work at all. That's been something that's been a pretty big push for the union, um, particularly over the last year or so. Um, seems to be more of a bit more of a bigger push than the uh, not winning a 17th game. Well, and part of the reason is last year everything was done virtually, and injuries were down, according uh, to FLPA, like 23%. So that reinforced the notion you don't need in-person workouts, uh, that they're unnecessary. And we also saw that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a Super Bowl with a new quarterback and didn't have the traditional offseason where you got a chance to uh, start to get some chemistry because of organized team activities and the mandatory minicamp. The first time they really got together as a team was training camp and kind of learned on the fly and still won a Super Bowl. So <laughs> that's one of the reasons uh, – NFLPA has wanted the virtual program, but the pandemic concerns, one, some people might say that's just a convenient excuse because the same COVID protocols that were in place for the season will be in place for the offseason. So if you thought that was unsafe during the season, probably shouldn't have played. But anyway, the first phase of the workout program, which goes April 19th to May 14th, is going to be uh, virtual. It's going to be... Uh, Two hours a day. Um, there are no on-field drills or anything like that. Um, second phase, uh, May 17th through May 21st, that's when you can start having drills, on-field drills, with coaches, and that's when you're going to have uh, the mini camp, uh, rookie mini camp and developmental programs. Um, then the third and final phase, which will be after that, will run up until like June 18th. You're going to have the 10 days of OTAs, in-person and virtual meetings, um, and the mandatory mini-camp. What we've seen since the NFL announced that's what they're going to do is that 19 teams have said they're going to boycott or have limited participation in the off-season workouts. Um, four teams, which have more workout bonuses in their contracts than anybody else. Packers, Bills, Jaguars, Chiefs won't be uh, part of the uh, boycott. Now, players under the CBA get $275 per day for each day they attend the workout program as a per diem. That still 
applies. Now, if you have a workout bonus in your contract, you have to satisfy the terms that are governed individually in your player contract. Um, if you're going to hit those bonus, if you're going to hit the workout bonus. And the thing is, if you work out at a club facility, you are protected. If you have an injury, then you're treated as if it happened like in training camp or during the season. So um, it's called a football-related injury. And you'll be paid your full salary and get all the customary benefits. Now, if you get hurt away from the club facility, that's considered a non-football injury. And the worst list you want to be on is the non-football injury list because you don't get credit for pension purposes. A team does not have to pay your salary. It's at their discretion. And you don't get a year of service for free agency. The better player you are, the more likely they are going to pay you. Or they may give you renegotiate your contract so that they'll pay you you the split amount. In in the CBA, there's a split amount where if you're on IR, um, you'll get a lower amount, and it's based on your years of service. Sometimes teams take extreme positions with this non-football injury illness thing. I remember several years ago, um, Tampa Bay kicker Lawrence Tynes got a staph infection, MRSA, at the club facility, they put him on the non-football illness list. Initially, were decided they decided they weren't going to pay him. There's enough public backlash that they did decide to pay him. This whole players not wanting to attend off-season workout program is not new. I remember years ago, Hedger and, Hedger and James uh, had a quote, and he was notorious for not attending the Colts off-season workout program. I think it was something like. <laughs> I went to college for two and a half years, but I think I know the meaning of the word voluntary. So um, I used to call it as an agent, the involuntary workout program with N in 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 parentheses. By that meaning that the better player you are, the more latitude you have not to show up. Um, If you are a guy who is not totally secure in a roster spot or a fringe guy, Best believe you're probably going to show up. Um, I've heard that one of the reasons the Packers were comfortable in moving on from Brett Favre was he never came to the offseason stuff in Green Bay. And that gave them a chance to get a good look at Aaron Rodgers. And he used to light them up every time he got a chance to take all the reps and run the team. And that kind of factored into the decision when Favre was playing the him and Han, I'm going to retire, I'm not going to retire, which became an annual dance this year. Now, in terms of uh, workout bonuses, some of these things can get to be pretty significant. And there's certain teams more so than others which rely on workout bonuses. Um, the Packers have the most workout bonuses of anybody in contracts, totaling about $5 million. And part of that reason is you can't get single guys to commit to being in Green Bay for multiple weeks at a time because <laughs> um, nothing new in Green Bay. So to entice him, um, Andrew Brandt, when he was uh, managing the salary cap and negotiating contracts for the Packers, started sticking workout bonuses to be an incentive for them to be there during the offseason. Um, Jacksonville, with the regime change, is now a workout bonus team. Buffalo, another place single guys don't want to be <laughs> in the spring. Um, have about $3 million in workout bonuses. Kansas City has about $3 million. 
uh, as well. And Patrick Mahomes has a workout bonus in his contract. Um, so uh, that's uh, those are four teams which um, aren't going to be uh, part of the uh, boycott. The biggest workout bonuses in the league, not surprising, Packers. Um, Zayarius Smith, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Dave Bakhtiari, seven hundred thousand. Kenny Clark, six hundred thousand. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, six hundred thousand. And the Niners are one of the teams which uh, limited attendance. He'll probably attend. Um, Aaron Rodgers has a five hundred thousand dollar workout bonus. Um, he's not all that thrilled with the Packers because they drafted Jordan Love, trade up to get him last year. But knowing that it gave him an opportunity to shine. When Favre was there, does he forego the $500,000 and give Jordan Love a chance for them to get a look at him? Or does he show him and go, I'm taking every rep possible um, and go from there? Von Miller's got a $500,000 one. In Kansas City, you got Frank Clark, Chris Jones, $500,000. I'm pointing out some of the uh, big-name players with the workout bonuses. You've got Tredavious White, 300000 with the Bills. Um, Chris McCaffrey, $200,000 with uh, the Carolina Panthers. Um, There are, um, and in these workout um, bonus clauses, they all vary from team to team. The conditions are a little bit different, but um, a basic one is, we'll take a look at um, Davis White's, that he has to participate in 84.375% or more of the total workouts in the offseason conditioning program. Now, 84.375% would be 27 of 32 workouts, and really you only get credit for four workouts um, in, a, in a week uh, max. And not just that, in, in respective year, timely reports and participates in the club's entire offseason Many camps, unless placed on injury reserve or medically excused by the uh, close physician or trainer or head coach. And also, timely report to training camp. And from the first day of each respective league year until the Monday following the first regular season game, is not suspended for conduct detrimental, is not suspended for violating the personal conduct policy, does not sustain basically a injury from a hazardous activity. And in his, it lists specifically as examples, skydiving, hang gliding, mountain climbing, racing of any kind, use of motorcycles, scuba diving, water skiing, um, voluntarily retires or is incarcerated or leaves club without the team's consent. Um, not all teams have these conditions, additional conditions. Some have it where you just get through the workout program, they pay you. But this is one where you got all this extra stuff in there. Now, one that's interesting to me is going to be Teddy Bridgewater because Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers after the Sam Darnold trade. He's got $250,000 workout bonus. Is he going to show up in Carolina if they don't trade him, presumably to Denver, since that's the most logical place, given they need have a needed quarterback, and George Payton, the GM, was the assistant GM in Minnesota when they drafted him in 2014. Now, his has a 
interesting clause as well that if it's kind because they could terminate him after June 2nd so they can split the cap hit over two years so the bonus proration from next year doesn't hit the cap uh, this year they already have it he already has a 10 million dollar salary guarantee which they'd be eating so um, his is also has participate in 84.375 percent of the workouts but he gets a prorated mount if he gets released or if his contract is terminated before the program, before the workout program ends. And in his case, they use, for example, that if he participates in five weeks of the, here they reference a nine-week program, then he's going to get five nights of the uh, off-season workout program, uh, of the bonus. And he also has, that he's got to fulfill all other obligations through training camp and and go through the mandatory report and participate in the mandatory minicamp. All that goes by the wayside if he gets released. But um, that's one to keep an eye on. Then you have a couple of clubs which um, have what I'll call a reverse workout bonus, where they have a base salary de-escalator instead. The Dallas Cowboys are notorious for having base salary de-escalators. Um... Practically every big Cowboys contract has one, the $500,000 base salary escalator. That includes Dak Prescott, Demarcus Lawrence, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, the offensive lineman. Then it's a lower amount if you're not quite at that stature. And how that works is, and we'll look at Demarcus Lawrence's, and he's got a deform, he's got a non-performance de-escalator. And his contract runs from 2019 through 2023, where if he doesn't participate in 90% or more of the scheduled workouts in the off-season workout program, and it's not to exceed four days per week, and doesn't report and participate in the mini camp, doesn't report and participate in all of training camp, then his base salary is going to be reduced by $500,000. And if there is also any guarantee, that gets reduced by the same amount. That is in every major Cowboys contract. Not a lot of teams do that. We've had the Houston Texans are another team, which does the uh, salary de-escalator. The Redskins have done it occasionally. They're now kind of split between salary escalator for not participating in the workout program and actual workout bonuses, but they don't have a ton of them on the team. So this this is where um, before Deshaun Watson's legal troubles came into play or his problems with the getting the masseuses, getting the massages and the multiple masseuses alleging misconduct, he was trying to force a trade. He's got a $500,000 base salary escalator in his contract. So putting all the issues, non-football issues aside, that he wasn't going to show up anyway So because he's forcing a trade. His salary is going to get reduced by $500,000. Similar type clauses as in conditions as in the Cowboys ones. So he's supposed to make $10.54 million as a base salary assuming that he's going to be in a position where he can play this year. So that's going to reduce his base salary to $10.04 million because he wasn't going to show up, and I 
be surprised if he would show up now for the uh, particularly the in-person part because that's where the players will have the have the problem is showing up for the in-person part. Uh, the virtual part they're fine with, but the in-person part, which starts on May 17th, <laughs> that's where all the issues are going to be. But it'll be he's one I can't see um, showing up <laughs> um, as well. And occasionally have guys who, who the guys who are most likely to forfeit the money or have the salaries reduced or in contract disputes. Like Watson was, you put all the other issues aside. Occasionally have guys who just don't show up for one reason or another. And that was uh, Deshaun Watson a couple of times when he played for the Washington um, football team. Uh, I think I may have said Redskins earlier. If I did, I apologize. The Washington football team. In 2015 and 16, he had $500,000 workout um, bonuses. Um, he didn't earn those because he didn't show up for enough of the uh, workout program. Um, Landon Collins, when he signed two years ago, 2019, base salary escalator, that's supposed to make a million dollars, and it making 825. Didn't satisfy the workout program conditions. Uh, Trent Williams um, had a 200, I think either 200, or $250,000 uh, workout bonus de-escalator when he played for the Washington football team. There were multiple years when he didn't earn that. <laughs> so. Occasionally, you see guys who who don't who don't earn the bonuses. There are a couple others which are going to be interesting because when you get traded from one team to another, the contents of your contract go to the new team. The Rams are a team which isn't going to said they're going to boycott. And Matthew Stafford's contract with the Lions that he signed now that the Rams are assuming five hundred thousand dollar. Workout bonus for 90% participation. Does he not show up? <laughs> and when all his other teammates aren't. Another guy who's in the past uh, foregone a workout bonus, um, Odell Beckham Jr. in 2019, $250,000. Didn't earn it. He's got one in his. Um, Browns are a team which say they're going to boycott. He's rehabbing an injury. And typically these things will allow for super, supervised rehab to count for earning the workout program since he's coming for torn ACL. He'd still earn it under the terms of his contract for supervised rehab. Coincidentally, NFLPA president J.C. Treader, who is championing the cause of not attending workout bonuses, does have a $100,000 workout bonus in his contract, so he would be putting his money where his mouth is if he doesn't show up, particularly for the uh, in-person work. Patrick Mahomes, $100,000 workout bonus this year. Um, goes up to 550 for every year afterwards. Um, the Patriots have said they're going to boycott workout program. Cam Newton has a $100,000 workout bonus in his. <laughs> and given the contract he signed, is he really going to forego uh, the $100,000 um, workout bonus um, and not attend meetings, particularly since uh, last year, wasn't the type of year he wanted to have, so he ends up signing a contract, which uh, does allow the Patriots to go out and get another quarterback if they want. Um, base value of $5.1 million, um, where he can end up, I think, maxing out at like seven five or $8 million total. And one last case I want to mention in terms of from the past, what I've seen with workout bonuses. Um, several years ago, um, Terrell Brown, um, had a $2 million base salary escalator that he earned for hitting 80% play time in the previous two seasons. But 
there were other conditions to getting the escalator. One of them was participating in 90% of the club's off-season workouts. I don't know how this happens because when I was an agent, if I knew someone had an escalator, I'd look at the contract and the conditions to see what satisfied him. Terrell Brown did not go to the off-season workout program, so he did not earn the $2 million escalator. So his base salary stayed at nine twenty-five, uh, and <laughs> he promptly fired his agent and filed a grievance against him. Um, the 49ers did decide to do a little something um, for him and paid him $300,000 as part of a make good for him <laughs> for missing the uh, – not earning the escalator, but that's a major, major error. Um, so, all these players that have workout bonuses should check with their agents to see what the conditions are and then decide whether they're going to show up or not. I suspect that fringe guys, guys who aren't starters, the rank and file, will probably show up to the in-person stuff starting May 17th, but we'll see. Um, but that pretty much uh, kind of describes the whole workout bonus problem and what it's going to mean for this offseason. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with Inside the Cap, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Let's turn our attention to some of the uh, best unsigned free agents uh, still available. Every year we see the market not developed the way certain free agents uh, want it to, and then they have to make a choice. Uh, Do I take a... Long-term deal for below what I thought my market value is. Sign the best one-year deal possible, and then what's the timing of when I'm going to sign? Um, free agency comes to a grinding halt as you get close to the draft. And you're going to see some players sign now, kind of like Javion Clowney did last week. Clowney signed a one-year deal for $8 million uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Max is out at $10 million with incentives. Last year, his market was slow to develop, and he didn't sign until right before the start of the regular season for $13 million. I don't want you to deal with the Titans, uh, $15 million max of incentives. Part of the problem last year was you couldn't get into facilities, and he had a uh, core injury, which required uh, surgery, so that kind of slowed down his process um, last year. He's coming off another injury plagued year with the Titans, where he missed about half the season. Um had a meniscus uh, tear and had that repaired. Some veterans take the philosophy, I want to sign before the draft, so that that'll potentially eliminate a team having to go out and draft someone in position because they've solidified the need. Others will take the position, uh, particularly older vets, that I'm going to let the draft go through um, and then reassess things at that point for teams which didn't find or fill a need in the draft, at least from an immediate standpoint. Or I'm going to wait until close to the training camp to sign because veteran players know how to get ready um, during the offseason. Don't necessarily want to go 
through the off-season workout programs that we were previously discussing, and then go from there. Then others will wait even longer, and because they don't like where the money is, they're going to do kind of like Clowney did or Logan Ryan last year. Logan Ryan didn't sign to right around Labor Day. Um, $5 million uh, for one year if the Giants maxed out at six incentives. And wait and see if there's an injury at a key position in training camp or preseason, which is going to potentially change their fortunes. Does the changing of the fortunes financially doesn't happen a whole lot. And it's more likely to happen for quarterback. Um, kind of like we saw... Um, a couple of years ago in uh, Miami that Jay Cutler was essentially retired and was going into the broadcast booth but um, during training camp Ryan Tannehill tore up his knee which left a void uh, at quarterback. Adam Gase had had um, Cutler in Chicago signed a one year deal for $10 million for another $3 million in incentives so and that was in, that was signed in um, early August. So that's what the players are, are banking on. That didn't necessarily work out all the time for the players, but some of the guys are still available. Um, at tackle, we have uh, Eric Fisher, the Kansas City Chiefs, who's going to be 30 by the time the regular season starts. Um, when I mention age, it's going to be age at the time of the regular season. Um, Tours Achilles um, in January in the playoffs. So, we don't know if he's going to be healthy in week one. That's what prompted Kansas City to release him. He's coming off a Pro Bowl year. So, that really complicates matters with him. Um, Surprisingly available is Alejandro Villanueva, who's with the Steelers. Um, Not coming off his best year in 2020, uh, 33. And also at tackle, Mitchell Swartz who had back problems led him to six games last year. Also, the Kansas City Chiefs, 32 years old. When healthy, he's one of the best right tackles in the NFL. Um, I suspect that if Kansas City doesn't fill all their needs tackle-wise, they might bring one of these guys back uh, at some point before the start of training camp, maybe start of regular season, one of those guys. But we saw that Trent Brown, in his trade from the Raiders to the Patriots, um, Cut his salary from $14 million to $9 million, can make another $2 million incentives. And we saw Riley Reef, after the Vikings cut him, sign a one-year deal for $7.5 million. Typically, you're not going to see the guys do better the longer they wait than guys who signed in March. So that would probably be the ceiling um, for, for those guys um, it, it tackle. Well, we've got edge rushers still available. And I'd imagine Clowney kind of sets the ceiling for those guys. Justin Houston, 32 years old. Um, same as uh, Melvin Ingram, 32. The Colts haven't ruled out bringing um, Justin Houston back. Um, can still get to the quarterback. Had eight sacks last year. Um, Melvin Ingram didn't have the type of contract you wanted. Um, went on IR for knee injury. Played seven games. No sacks in 2020. Can't see them getting any more than um, Clowney did. Or you can look at what Carlos Dunlap did. Um, Two-year deal. um, 13.6 million over two years. um, 6.8 million per year is the average. So that's probably their best case scenario. Got uh, Richard Sherman 
Um, 33-year-old corner. Um, only played in five games last year. Um, injuries, primarily leg injuries. Um, was great in 2019. <laughs> um, pro bowler in 2019. Uh, we saw Patrick Peterson quickly sign with the Vikings. $8 million on a one-year deal, $10 million max. Uh, Kyle Fuller, when he was cut from Chicago, quickly went to Denver. Uh, $9.5 million on a one-year deal, $10 million max. Uh, Sherman might be close to where Kevin King um, signed. One-year deal for $5 million to go back to Green Bay after a lackluster contract year. And he's much younger, coming off his rookie contract. But I don't see Sherman getting above uh, Patrick Peterson. Now, we've got um, also Casey Hayward, who's available, 32 years old. was released this year from the Chargers with the coaching change. Uh, let's look at a couple of linebackers. Uh, Quan Alexander um, tore his Achilles late in December, so we're not sure when he's going to be ready. Um, Saints released him because they had a cap crunch, needed to pick up like $13 million of cap room. 27-year-old. Um, was traded uh, mid-season from the 49ers to the Saints. That kind of puts him in a precarious position. Um, uh, K.J. Wright is still out there. K.J. Wright played really well last year for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Said he was going to give the Seahawks any type of uh, hometown discount to return uh, 32. He signed coming off of not his best year a couple of years ago. $14 million over two years is the base value. Maxed out at fifteen five if he hit the escalators, which he did. He made $7.5 million last year. In all likelihood, K.J. White Wright's taking a pay cut. Uh, I don't know if he still has the opportunity to go back to uh, Seattle. Um, I thought one of the teams which has the Pete Carroll disciples, like the uh, Dallas Cowboys, Dan Quinn, is there, or Gus Bradley, who's with the Raiders, might have an interest in him, but so far, none. We saw Jared Davis uh, go to the Jets, $5.5 million on a one. Jayon Brown um, returned to the Titans, um, $4.5 million on a one, maxed out at $5.25 million. Um, Eric Wilson recently went from Minnesota to Philly on a one-year deal for $2.75 million. Max is out of $3.25 million with incentives. So, K.J. Wright's going to most likely take a pay cut um, if he plans on playing huh. football this year. Sometimes guys will decide, you know what, like Brian Ur- Urlacher did. Um, market wasn't what he thought it would be. Vikings had some interest. He's like, you know what, I'm not going to continue playing football for this amount of money. Pride gets in the way. We saw years ago when um, Charles Woodson's contract with uh, the Packers expired. He was languishing out there on the open market for a while and had to start taking one-year deals at a significantly cut rate compared to what he was playing for. But he wanted to keep playing football and ended up playing another three, four years uh, with the Raiders and played well at an older age. And we got Antonio Brown still sitting out there. Um, made $2 million for basically half a season last year with the Buccaneers. Um, had an eight-game suspension under the personal conduct policy, uh, which kept him out for the first eight games. Uh, there's been interest in bringing him back. They're just not close on a deal, from what I understand. We know that uh, his last year in Pittsburgh in, was that, 2018, he was kind of triggered by Juju uh, 
Smith Schuster getting the uh, team MVP. <laughs> so Juju signed for eight million on a one to go back to Pittsburgh. I can't see that may be an important number to him. I don't see Antonio Brown getting there. And Antonio Brown's problem isn't his talent. It's all the baggage surrounding him. <laughs> um, Manuel Sanders, when the Saints cut him, um, $6 million on a one, $6.5 million max. Personally, I'd rather have, from a talent standpoint at this point in time, <laughs> Antonio Brown than A.J. Green. But A.J. Green, $6 million on a one to go to the Cardinals. I didn't see much left for an A.J. Green. It's a gas tank last year at the way he played. Um, in Cincinnati. I know he and Joe, Joe Burrow, when Burrow was healthy, weren't on the same page, but still. We had uh, Sammy Watkins, uh, who's been injury-plagued, go from Kansas City to the Ravens on a one-year deal for $5 million. Deshaun Jackson is now a Ram, uh, 4.5 on a one. So he made $2 million for half his season, basically, Four million on a full season should be his floor. Uh, he's 33 years old. Golden Tate's still out there, available as a wide receiver, more of a slot guy um, this time. Let's see if his hometown team, the Titans, pick up more help in the draft at receiver. That may be a landing spot for him, a chance to go home. But those are some of the. Uh, Bigger names still available in free agency. We'll see if any of them sign before the uh, draft. If not, keep an eye on them signing as training camp, the start of training camp in late July. Uh, The opening starts to approach. Well, that's going to be it for this week's Inside the Cap. Don't forget you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And I have my uh, regular agent state column at CBSSports.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you back here next time. Goodbye.